And the stuff that I highlighted was criticism is futile because it puts a person on the defensive and usually makes him strive to justify himself. That would be interesting to see what each of us did highlight. Criticism is dangerous because it wounds a person's precious pride, hurts his sense of importance, and arouses resentment. The resentment that criticism engenders can demoralize employees, family members, and friends and still not correct the situation that has been condemned. And I had a conversation with somebody about this recently. We were talking about um, after actions, and he was basically talking about, you know, why can't we just be men during an after action, during a hot wash? Why can't we just be men? I said, what do you mean by that? And he was like, well, you know, they should be able to own up to whatever they did wrong. I said, who do you really think benefits out of that when that happens? Mm -hmm. And I said, the deal is you are the only one. The criticizer is the only one that feels good. You feel like, ah, I've got the moral high ground here, and I'm going to point to you. I said, that guy's not listening to you. He's shut down. Yeah. If you really want to fix it, pull them to the side. It's like, hey, man, I know you're having some complications there. Let's talk about, you know, if you don't mind, there's some strategies or things that we can do to make this better. I said, but if you're going to blow him up in front of all his peers, he's not going to learn from that. He's not right. going to sit there and be like, that's right. I'm so humbled. You're right. I need to fix this. You're now right. you've created an enemy. Now he's definitely not going to say I did something wrong because that just supports your argument to begin with. Yeah. But you have to have some type of criticism honest that you're not going to get defensive about to have any type of growth because and criticism by definition because I always have to look up the words right, I don't know what the heck they are I'm going to stop you for just a second we need to officially start this hmm. and we need to explain to the listeners what we're doing before we go on but we're going to come right back to you so when you do your clapping are you going to say I'm clapping? Go. We don't no? do go. the clapping okay. anymore. You're go. What a shame. That was my favorite We don't do part. the clapping anymore. So what we've decided to do is take one of the books on the reading lists, which uh, Hatch has got to get his, his reading list, but this is one of the books that he always talks about as far back as I can remember knowing Hatch. And Shane, it ended up on his. I'm reading it right now. And... Uh, what we've decided is that it would be really, really interesting to take this chapter for chapter and do small, uh, mini podcasts on each one of the chapters and how, how the lesson of that chapter can be uh, implemented in the fire service. And when I read the first chapter, I'm trying to read a chapter a night, when I read the first chapter, I sat back at the end of it and thought, I am doing everything wrong, you know? I am because at the end of the chapter, the author, uh, the author, basically sums up the entire lesson of the chapter with with one sentence, which the the end for chapter one is: "Don't criticize, condemn, or complain." And um, I, I I think it's really difficult. So, Pabell, you were about to talk about what criticism is. So I'm just looking at the definition to make sure I'm clear. The expression of disapproval or someone or something based on perceived faults or mistakes is the way I'm reading the... That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's my problem. Here's how I have struggled with how to implement this. This is Bill's problem? This is Bill's problem because apparently we sound alike. Shane and I sound alike. Oh, good point. Yeah. That was Shane. <laughs> oh, by the way, Hatch is here. Pabell's here. Bill's here. You're right. Shane's here. 
We're all here we to talk about here. the book that is called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale yeah, Carnegie. We should just start it. It's an old book. No, no, no it's, it's okay when we start in the middle and go yeah. back to the beginning. It's awesome. It's better anyway. Yeah. That's right. Not, all right. not yes. unedited, unscripted. The uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale. Is it Carnegie? Because yeah. I heard Carnegie. Some, that's Carnegie. what I heard somebody else say, and I, I thought that sounded weird. But and what is the title, Chapter One? The title to Chapter One is "Fundamental Techniques in Handling People," and then in quotations, "If you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive." All right. Before we go any further, could Again. you tell me real quickly why you put it on your list? Um, well, for me, because that's I thought shame. it was the shame. Sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Shame. shame speaking now. You can speak in a high-pitched voice and have a problem. Um, For me, it was the book that basically started to kind of map out how you deal with people. And I think I put that on my reading list on why that book stood out. Because it was basically how you, just how you can interact with people. Plain and simple. Whether it be whatever. Like this, this initial chapter is pretty much spelling out, don't be doing these things. Even though I've done my fair share of all of it so for me it was just an opportunity to kind of learn how to manage people how to stop looking um so much through my lens and start really thinking about other people's lenses and how they got there i mean that's really kind of i I say that a lot i think perspective is huge i think i think that's the you know that emotional intelligence that empathy whatever you want to call <clears throat> that being able to stop out, step out of my thoughts and my lens and see truly how Hatch is looking at it so that I can get a better perspective of what you're thinking and then maybe how we deal with that together. That this, That's what this book talks about. Right, right. I, so, I, I agree. I, uh, Hatch, but uh, I would agree. I'd mirror that it's very much about human behavior right. and stuff. As I read it as a pretty much a young kid out of high school. And it was kind of really enlightening me to me, but I also noticed that it was one of the things that you probably need to go back and reread several times mm-hmm. because it kind of tests yourself of like, have I really been doing this? Have I really paid attention to what it's asking you to do? And I've had people ask me over the years, you know, like what, you know, what books would you say to read to be successful or for to be in a battalion chief? And I said, I know most people think it would be like how to burn your bridges down and you know shoot one of the hostages, but it's actually how to win friends and influence right. people because. You know, as you go up in leadership, that's what it's all about: is developing those personal relationships and, and getting the most out of that. It's not about you know, you know, necessarily holding people accountable to that level or whatever. I, I want to tag, I want to tag team something you said. I thought was actually huge, and I didn't think about it till the moment it came out of your mouth. And that was, like, you know, it is important that you read the book again because you're not the same person as you were when you read it the first time. Right. You know, and I, I had a friend tell me this quote recently, and I thought it was, just blew me away. I just hadn't thought about it like that. And he was talking about the, the same man never steps the same foot in the same river because it's really never the same, same river, river right. and it's never the same man. Mm-hmm. Right. So that continuing to learn, you need to revisit some of these books. Right. It's not a box that you're checking. Right. It's, it's you checking yourself. Right. You know, so you want to go back and test yourself of, man, am I really doing this? You know, it says not to criticize or complain, but I really kind of do that. With, yeah. you know, it, it left me at the end of chapter one. Oh, I'm with you. Where I, I closed the book and thought, well, hell. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, be the rest of I am, yeah, I am a huge failure uh, and I'm, I'm doing all of these things. And the, the problem that it presented to me was if, 
if I believe, which I do, if I believe that we never do anything perfect, just got to get some water. Mm-hmm. That Shane getting water, Bill talking. You weren't being quiet now. Uh, if if we are never able to do something perfect, if everything can be better, if we look back on it and try and improve it, and let's just say it's a fire scene, we're never going to have a perfect fire. There's always going to be somewhere you know to improve. How do you do that without criticizing or condemning? When I, it, it, I think you were going with this. So when I reread this again today, because it had been a while, so I reread this chapter a couple of times a day, and I, the first thing that jumped out at me was this book's kind of arguing itself with me with the five dysfunctions of the team and talking about that trust that has to be built so that you can have that opportunity to talk and say, maybe you shouldn't do that or you know what I mean so that's kind of immediately what jumped out at me was man does the five dysfunctions of a team the specific the main foundation of trust does it argue with this chapter a little bit because this Mm -hmm. chapter will tell you don't do it you know it gives a specific example in here where a mechanic totally messed up he messed up and put the wrong fuel in this plane this guy by high technical skills grace of God, whatever, survives. And all he does is he goes to that guy, he puts his arm around him, and he says, I tell you, I'm so confident that you won't do that again that I'm going to let you take care of my plane for tomorrow. Yeah, the plane almost crashed. And that's right. it. And so I was just like... That's what I'm struggling with a little bit is the fact that, you know, to say critic criticize, you're finding fault in something or an action or whatever the, take, whatever the case may be. It's more on the approach, the timing... But how do you grow without criticism? You put your arm around me, I don't know that that would have this, the, the same impact in sitting down and maybe I don't know the totality of what I just did. Maybe I do need to hear it and say, do you realize how many lives you could have jeopardized by the actions that yeah, you took there? but the book's telling you that most individuals, and this is where we get into the problem, that most individuals will just sit back and move straight to justification of their actions. So you are not, we are, we are, when you read this chapter, it makes you assume that people aren't capable or the majority of people aren't capable of some sort of reflection, inner reflection to say, you know what, I did screw that up. This chapter will almost make you think that people will always justify their actions regardless of of the outcome. And I don't, I don't disagree that there's a part of us that'll get, want to defend some of our actions for some reason. But if we even look throughout our careers, there's certain people that can come to me and say something to me. And they're criticizing. By definition, they're criticizing something that I did. And I'll accept it. Other people will come to me and I'll get defensive right away. So it has to do with relationship. It has to do with trust. It has to do with delivery. But to say that don't criticize, just using one of the things in there, to me I'm going, well, I kind of need that. I've had a lot of criticism but you said so yourself. Life. You want to make sure it comes from someone you trust. Correct. You feel it's, like they have the best intentions. It's a lot more. It's a lot harder to receive from someone whom I don't. If I feel attacked, that I'm going to attack back. Right. If so, I feel somebody that's looking at my best interests, less guarded. Right. Shane, you mentioned five dysfunctions, which is another book that's on some of our reading lists, and the 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 thing that hit me over the head like a hammer out of that book was it talks about what what it takes to have trust. Do you, do you remember what it was? Well, I don't know exactly where you might go with it. So. It was, you have to have forgiveness. 
And it, I mean, that I, I closed the book when I read that part because I was like, what the hell does that mean? You know? <laughs> I don't I mean, read this, this stuff anymore. Yeah. But I mean, really, what, what the author, Patrick Lencioni, was getting after was that to be able to trust somebody, you have to know that they're going to forgive you if you screw up. And that, that's what you're talking about. There are some people that you, you will take criticism from, and there are some people that you won't. Are the people that you want, the people that you know, are going to hold it over you for the rest of your, you know, your career? Or are they the people that you know they're going to bring it to you? You're going to say, you know what, you're right. I should have done that a different way. And then that's it. We all walk away from it. When I walk, when I worked a side job years ago as a custom cabinet uh, manufacturer, well, we worked in a, a company that made custom cabinets. We did a kitchen for a woman one time that cost a hundred thousand dollars just in cabinets. $100,000 of cabinets. We get them installed, and the woman comes in after we installed them and says they're the wrong color. And the procedure was for the guy that stained the cabinets to have the person that was picking the color, or she would have had to have signed a piece of wood that had the stain on it. And you had to sign the back of the wood. And that way, when they said it doesn't, that's not the right color, you could say, no, no, this is the color, and you, here's your signature. He forgot to do that this time. Yeah. Ooh, the one time. Exactly. And you know what we had to do? We ripped out $100,000 worth of cabinets, threw them away, rebuilt them, and restained them, and reinstalled them. Wayne, the owner of the company, did not fire the finisher, Scott. And I asked him, I said, how are you, this guy just cost you $100,000. How are you not getting rid of him? And his reply to me was, I just spent $100,000 letting him learn the lesson and he'll never do it again. Why would why would I get Let rid of go, him right. and he's going to take that knowledge somewhere else? I paid for it. I should keep it. And I, I, I didn't know how to deal with that because I'm like, hell, you, you this is somebody that you fire. But, I mean, what's the guarantee of that? What's the guarantee that they'll never do it again? And I think that's where the, the another component that we're talking about here, or we haven't talked about, is that development of that personal relationship with that individual. If right. they don't have personal buy-in with him, if Scott and Wayne did not have that personal relationship, it, it probably wouldn't happen. And I, I have this discussion regularly with guys. I can't turn a, a lamb into a lion. If it's not in their heart to be an aggressive firefighter, I can't make them buy my leadership or whatever but what I can do is I can develop a personal relationship to where they feel bad about leaving, letting Hatch down when right. they go to a call and they screw up and I look at them and they look at me and we both know they messed up if we're friends if we developed a relationship they should feel bad about that so I but, let Hatch but down but is that look that you give them is that criticism or condemnation Ooh, probably and that's that's my problem is how do we how do I live to this books okay let's say, I, let's say I don't but let's say I don't well, give no, no, them that I, look I, I put my I arm around I for them. that look that's why I do what I do is for that look you, you want me to look at you like that right? Well, not the, the I, want, I want the good look <laughs> I don't want the bad look very creepy right now <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys both look away <laughs> please <laughs> I want the good look I want the I want and we you know we talked about this with Rick Myers Getting the nod. Getting the nod. I Getting want the nod. the nod. Right, right, right. That's why I do everything is to get the nod from those people that I want to be respected by. That's um, another chapter, though. So it let's, is. Let's but, not go but, there. 
So is not giving the nod or giving the opposite of the nod condemnation? And if so, are we living up to what Dale Carnegie... I would say absolutely because body language speaks a lot more than your mouth. So by me looking across and seeing your body language telling me that you are not content with what I did or whatever, that speaks volume. So it would be... Gosh, I better be careful. I do that all the time. <laughs> right, right. And, I, and I do too. But I mean, that's the whole point of here. You know, we're growing individuals. We're not perfect. Right. None of us are. So, you know, we're, we're trying to develop ourselves and learn right. from these type of things. And it's tough. It's tough not to, you know, that your facial expression stuff, not to... Or the tone totally of your voice on the radio or... Oh, yeah, don't even get me talking about <laughs> my radio traffic. <laughs> I think a lot of it is, and I know it's a little cliche because we all read the book, but it's situational. You apply it based on the situation you have at hand, and there's times where, uh, you know, criticizing something with an individual is totally applicable, acceptable, and will get you good results, and then there's times where it won't. But I would, I would say that I would, I disagree with don't criticize. What's the difference between criticism or complaining and feedback? Yes. What is the difference? I don't know. Complaining to me would be, uh, which I'll often tell people, is there any solution to what you're saying? No. Then you're just complaining. If there's nothing we can do about it, it's just a complaint. If there's something that we can do about it, then that's where you're getting feedback and we're moving forward. I could sit here all day long and say how... This is wrong. This is incorrect. We can't do this. We shouldn't be doing that. Well, how can we fix this? Well, I don't know. I'm but not we sure. Well, yeah. there's nothing we can do. To me, that becomes a complaint. Unless there's a solution somewhere, it becomes a complaint. And a complaint is not a bad thing. An example for me, a complaint would be, you know, we the don't have begs to differ. we don't have the adequate staffing to support what we need to do. I can't get you any additional staffing. We can't move forward. That is a valid complaint without a solution. I can't. You don't have the financial means to. You're not getting approval. So there's certain things where you may agree with, but there's nothing you can do about it. It's a complaint, but it's a valid complaint. Hmm. Now, I would venture to say try to put more time and effort into things that there's a solution to. How would he disagree? You're saying he... What Carnegie says about criticism, not necessarily complaints, but he says, criticism is dangerous because it wounds a person's precious pride, hurts his sense of importance, and arouses resentment. The resentment that criticism engenders can demoralize employees, family members, and friends, and still not correct the situation that has been condemned. I agree. I do. I I, I do, but I'm not saying that I don't do it, though. I mean, I do on a regular basis. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this a uh, hundred times and I, I just recently had a situation where uh, on the scene I, I pulled the lieutenant aside and we kind of talk about what's going on on the scene and I can kind of see from his body language stuff he's a little down about it or whatever and I call him the next day on, on the cell phone you know while I'm at home and he's at home and I was like hey yeah I want to let you know I'm not mad at you you know I'm not I wasn't yelling at you about this I was giving you feedback because I want you to know what the expectations of the department are and what my expectations are I want you to succeed and I think I helped him a little bit, you know, take what I was saying, not in such a negative light of, uh, Chief's really on me. Yeah, I am to a certain extent, but it's just about providing feedback. I get it. I'm, I've been in your shoes. I've done that job before. I know how tough it is. I know how right. you can get overwhelmed. And, and really, and this Shane again, uh, 
you said something about it being situational and these things are very situationally driven and you said something about relationships and when you put all that together and you talk about this this is one book of literally millions mm-hmm. of management sure. self-help Agreed. books it's not the the holy bible of management books it's a good one it impacted no, but it me but hopefully what, recommended. what what i hope that you get out of is that there are true nuggets there even in chapter 1 there's true nuggets but you need to have relationships with people and situations where they actually all come together and that's where that comes together it's not a it's not a blanket statement that you don't right. do that i think it's it's a perfect storm of of a relationship the situation presented itself and then right. maybe this is where you know what maybe this is not the spot to so what would you say to the particular one and some are some been around for a while and some are new uh, in the fire service that would say we'll take the more senior fire firemen when i came up they were yelling in my face they were criticizing right. every move that i made they were digging into me all the time and that made me who i am today a strong firefighter then you're gonna have the, okay hang on. then you have <laughs> the new firefighter or the newer firefighters um coming in and you'll hear very often i think we've all heard it we're a softer, more sensitive understanding fire service. And they say it mocking it mm-hmm. because uh, traditionally we were built on tough skin. you got to get well, some tough skin under you. So w- what would you say to the ones that are sitting out there right now saying, when we say don't criticize or or that type of thing, could it be misconstrued as in... The touchy-feely kind it of It probably Correct. could. Yeah. It probably could. And there'll be those on one side that'll absolutely take that and then there'll be those on the other side that won't but the reality of it is is we're not dealing with what we were dealing with 30 years ago we're dealing with what we were dealing with right now and you said something in our last podcast that i thought was pretty good and the reality of it is is we are we are more educated on how people react or you know what motivates them or what drives them or and I don't know, I'm kind of missing something on that, but my, my point is, is that that we're more educated on on what people need or what people want or how we get things done, or so we're, we're living out of that world. You know what I'm saying? Right. We're not in the world anymore where I just tell you and you just do what I damn said. So I could do that when but, you came into the fire service, and I pose this to every one of you because I'm curious, and I haven't asked this before, but when you came into the fire service. Did you have the aggressors or those who brought you through the fire service, the ones that are in your face, drill sergeant type of people? Or did you come into a more subdued setting? I think started? I came in that had a mix of both. Even even when I came into the smaller department that I, I came into, there were some old heads in there that were that driver. Just, you know what, you don't need to be talking right now. You need to be mm-hmm. doing. And then, But there were also some newer, younger people like myself or maybe just a few years older than me that were also in there so it was really kind of a it wasn't a the department culture was not that one old salty tough skinned yeah would you walk into village i i will say that i had the same i i did have people that were in your face the interesting thing though is that two people come to mind immediately one of them I didn't want anything to do with, and the other one I would do anything for. And they both did that. What the one that I would do anything for ended up doing 
you know, not only would he tell me that you don't need to be talking right now, I mean, scared the hell out of me. Second week out in the field after getting after graduating the academy, he walking through the kitchen. I'm studying a territory map. Practically leaps ten feet across the room, throws both of his hands down on the table very loudly, and with his nose six inches from mine, goes, "Are you a firefighter?" And I said, "Yes, sir." And he said, how many fucking fires have you fought? And I felt about six inches tall. But this is the same guy that days later would put his arm around you and actually show you that he cared. You know, it was this weird thing. But I'd I'd do anything for him. So, yeah, I mean, but I'm going to say that we were touchy-feely back then, too. You know? I mean, so it turns out it was the Gen Xers, not the Millennials. Every generation, <laughs> yeah. every generation says, "Oh yeah, oh, this is going to hell." Yeah, before yeah. when yeah. I came through, it was like this. Well, guess what? They were saying the same thing about you when you right. got on, and the one before them exactly. was saying it about them. Did you walk into Hatch? I did not have uh, the people getting in my face and stuff like that that much, really. Uh, well, but well, you're a giant six foot four, and yeah. Superman. Yeah. It could have been that. <laughs> That, that man had They'd have to, to look that. up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of a large fellow. So. Uh, yeah, I, I really didn't have that that often. I had the smart Alex, the, you know, the, the lippy guys or whatever, but I'm pretty quick-witted myself, and so that usually kind of backfired, backfired on, on them most of the time. Uh, but when you talked earlier, we were talking, you said it shaped you. I disagree. I think you came into the situation already shaped to deal with adversity. So my challenge goes back to the leader you're having to look at each one of the individuals and where they're coming to you from. You got the one guy who deals with adversity well, so you can go a little harder edged on him. But then you got the other guy that you have to work with and develop right. and, and mentor and move around and not be touchy feely, but think about if I really want this guy to hear what I'm saying, right. what's the best medium to get that across? Yes, it would be nice if me as the boss, I could come in and say, I'm the professional, you're a professional, I'm going to talk to you, you're going to do. And that's it. I wish it was that simple. It's not. It's an exhausting, constant chess game of, if I do this play, how's Shane going to react? If I do this play, how is Bill going to react? How is Babel going to react? And then you develop and change and shift all those. When they talk about we treat everybody the same, we don't. We treat everybody fairly. We treat each person as an individual. If you want to be, in my opinion, a a good leader. So that takes, it's an exhausting amount of time to to go through that and do that. But to be a better leader. I think that's what you do. And then that's what you do is you take a book like this and you look back and you compare yourself like, all right, where did I fail on this? I had a situation, I keep telling these horror stories, of a kid, you know, and uh, it didn't work out. There was a lot of conflicts in the station. And I looked at it at the end of it and I was like, I mean, I came out in the department size as I was in the right. But what part did I fail that guy? Right. I'm coming at it from a completely different stance in my life than in his life. Is there something I could have done that I could have approached it in a different way? But who does that? Who who really spends that time? A lot of guys just come in. I'm right. I'm the officer. I'm going to do it this way. You are. But if you want to develop that team, right? Look at you know how you can. You know, it's just like that communication. You have the the sender, the receiver, and the medium. You know, if it's if you're broadcast only, you know, you're just going to sit there like a radio station and throw stuff out. But if you get that feedback from them, you know, if you're saying something and they got a quizzical look on their face, 
they're probably not getting it. So right. yelling at them might be a waste of time. Right. Now it's time to put them under the wing and bring them over there and have them sit down with them. It's like, all right, what what do we need to do here? And I don't know if people really spend that time with that, you know, because for a lot of times that I see officers, they struggle in their new role while trying to develop somebody in a role below them. You know, and so it's... It, there's not as many people being pushed on to reading lists and things like that to develop them what they, I guess they call soft skills on how, how to be a leader. Right, right. Or some sort of self-development. You know, and it makes sense even not, not even just to be a leader, to just be functional in the firehouse and the diversity that is a firehouse. It's almost like why isn't human behavior taught during the recruit process? We learn all our skills, but you're 100% right. And even outside of leadership, there's just a lot of dynamics in the firehouse to have to deal with all the different personalities and and the different people and perspectives and backgrounds to where if you had a little bit better of an understanding and you were looking at it through other people's lens, which means you can't be selfish. you got to realize that not everybody sees it the same way you do. And I think the firehouse, for the most part, does a pretty good job, but it's when that one oddball out goes in there that shifts the dynamic of the team because we don't see it the way they do uh, that changes things so not even for leadership I think just in general anybody coming through the firehouse to look at it like that would be helpful to them so sorry go ahead well I was just going to say we talked a little bit about this earlier you know when you criticize who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for that person to learn? Or are you doing it for you to feel better right. about getting it off your chest, what you're mad about? I mean, think think about why you're doing it. And so if it's for that guy to learn, and this is going to shut him down, it's going to embarrass him, it's going to do, or I'm saying him, but it could be anybody, choose another tactic. So it depends. Right. Now, criticism by definition, I'm a, I'm, and I'll use something to happen to me. Shane said something to me one time. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, technically, by definition, you were criticizing when you told me that my body language was sending off a negative message. You mean like uh, pounding on the table right now? No, this is even close about this. To, the, to the body language that apparently I was... If you were wondering, thinking. listeners, that's what that is. Uh, oh, bang. So anyway, you, you told... Technically, that would be a criticism saying, listen, your body language is like you have a dislike for an individual or whatever the case may be I had no idea I was doing that if you did not tell me that I wouldn't have worked so hard to make sure I was careful about what my body language you know what message I was sending I take it as a criticism because it was something that was incorrect uh, there's other criticisms that I've taken where I don't receive them well and I get defensive immediately but now there's trust I know that you're telling me that for my benefit to go right. to your trojan. So, so anyway, I see that as forgiveness. He's telling you you're doing something wrong, and he forgives you for it. Well, again, well, just like I said, he what's his motivation? His motivation was not to make him feel right, better. Right. Yeah. His motivation to was to him. correct him. No, right, so that's right. why I said the motivation needs to be on your side. When you're going to criticize, right. why are you doing it? So what do you all think about the officer who says to somebody on scene, they, they've done something on a fire, and they walk up in the front yard to that person and scream, you'll never be on a truck with me. Ah. 
Raise your hand if that's, you've done that before. Well, but have you done it before? <laughs> yeah, we are by no means saying we are not guilty of doing these no, things ourselves. No, I'll throw myself under the bus. I, I, I have said, not in the front, not in the front of a fire scene, but in a fire station, I said, you will never be on my truck. I have to. Now, I have I gone back and spoken with this person. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> there was a couple other words in there, too, but I, I could say I've, I'm guilty of that. It's not a proud moment for me. I don't think that was the most... But that's the whole thing in reflection. Measure. I mean, you do things in the heat of the moment and stuff like that, but this is where right. we grow. We go back and we look at, right. you know, we reflect on what we've done and how we can improve, and that's how growing and living is done. So does anybody else do the thing, and I, do, I, I don't do this always, and I probably should do it more, but there are points when I've got on to people, and I don't realize how much I am getting on to. They take the criticism much harder than it was offered. And they I might call back. That is what the face. That. Yeah. All right. They take it much harder. They call later and they want to bring it up again and apologize. And I'm and in the most sincere way, I'm telling them I'm Buddy, done with it. Yeah, this is we we've we've already handled this. You and I are good. You know, we talked about it. You said you're not gonna do it again that way. Let's not dwell. This is, you know. So Maybe in those instances, I am practicing that forgiveness or trying to make them understand, you know, this is not going to kill us. You're, you know, I'm still okay with you. That goes back to what Hatch was saying. Whoever that person is, I feel that if they're following up like that, it's somebody who does not want to disappoint you. Right. You've established yourself as a respectable. So I, I... what you said, Hatch, makes a lot of sense to me. What you said, Bill, makes a lot of sense to me. Both are true. Where well, Shane said nothing. Makes no Shane, sense. Shane, <laughs> Shane can pretty much criticize me, but <laughs> he's doing something to benefit me, not for his own benefit, but to benefit right, me. Right, right. Where's and, the motivation coming correct, from? Correct. Where's the motivation coming from? And as far as the forgiveness, to a certain degree, it's not like he has anything to forgive me for, but I know that there's no... You're not going to hold that against me and be like, I'm so disappointed in Troj. So almost to a certain degree, yeah, there is a level of forgiveness because you could do the same thing, well intended for me to grow, but then me feel like, oh, he's never going to forget this. He just hold it over my head later on going, you know, I told you about doing that before. I don't have to worry about that with you. You said this for my benefit. Don't even remember that it happened again. So both of those, I think, play a big role in it where you're going, yeah, the, the motivation is correct. And I don't have somebody somebody who is forgiving that's not going to hold it over my head again. If yeah. you did, I'd just wait for the next podcast and put you on blast and make you explain yourself. <laughs> I got him that time. <laughs> I don't think it's fewer and far in between when you do a criticism and it lights a fire under that guy to prove you wrong. It happens. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, but I think that's a, a rarer instance going forward. I, I just don't think people are wired that way hardly anymore. You know, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to be that success story. You know, you told me I never could do this. And look at me, I'm showing you. Right. Well, there may be some out there. I, I, I know there are right. some that, that do, but I think it's far and away that's the, the exclusion, not the, right. not the norm. Do you think the delivery has anything to uh, any I bearing on so. it? I think so. That's me. I criticized, uh, when I say this, most of the listeners will probably know who I'm talking about, but I waited patiently through a lecture of a... Uh, one of the staples of the fire service. I mean, this guy's very, very well recognized, and his books are read all over the place. So anyhow, I, I just waited till the end, and I had a question. And my question was, if you can give me one piece of advice 
to be success, successful in my career, what would that be? Now, this person's been in the fire service over 30 years, 40 years, something like that. And he said, be nice. And I walked out of there. I think it was Hatch that I spoke with. And I was kind of mad. Like, that's what 40 you years. <laughs> 40 years of experience fighting fires, knocking out doors, dealing with all kinds of stuff. And the best thing you could tell me is be nice. I mean, I was kind of upset with it, but Hatch followed up. He brought me back some information. Uh, so I didn't criticize him in his face, but, you know, I was actually critical of what he said. But when you really think about what he said, yep, you can pretty much take 40 years of your career, use that, and be very successful. Right. Be nice. I can... You what a novel criticize, concept. Yeah, what a novel concept. But if with an immature mind, the response that you're going to get is what I gave, which is, seriously, that's all you got? Be nice? No, you know, something a little bit more complex? Right. No, it is that simple. So you, your criticism was very nice. It was The delivery of it was Thank nice. You. It like was a safe person a little bit here. Yeah, yeah. That, that, back on good graces. That wow. So that's why I ask if sometimes if the delivery may have some impact on... Oh, yeah. I definitely think the delivery has a lot to say about it. You know, if you're sarcastic and stuff like that, I mean, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Again, you know, speaking from experience a lot of times, I'm so doing that for my own... That. No, I was going to say, I'm doing it for my own benefit, you know, because to me... You know, I'm I'm getting something out of that. It's not right. It's not it's not a healthy thing. I mean, but it's just how it works out sometimes. All right. Well, I think that's a good a good lead into the next chapter when we do that one, which is on valuing people. And uh, Mr. Carnegie says, uh, let me get his exact wording here. Give honest and sincere appreciation. That's chapter two. So we'll do that one. Uh, at a future date, we're not going to run through these necessarily back to back. You know, these are kind of we're going to fit these in whenever we can. Anybody got anything else to add on? Yes, uh, rate us on uh, iTunes. Yes, we need yeah. we need that. Please, we definitely need a commercial section right here. Uh, we <laughs> visit the website. Yeah, it, read it, our bios. And what read, is the website? The combustiblethepodcast dot com. Uh, Google is having a little bit of difficulty finding us right now. So if you'll just type that into your computer and then find our page, it helps them refine their search results. Act like, act like you're going on an adventure, looking through multiple pages <laughs> of Google results, and you'll find it. And then you know, look yeah. through, and you'll have our bios, uh, our contact information. Our, our reading lists. Our reading list, except for mine at this point. The much-anticipated uh, Hatch uh, reading list. There will be Both some archived episodes as yes. well. Our archived episodes yep. are there. And a little brief description of why we started doing a podcast, a yep. brief one. Uh, Hatch can be reached at Twitter at, at @HatchCTP. I can Bill can be reached at at BillCTP. Troche can be reached at at Troche. CTP. That's you said but that leave almost the, like a question. Leave the question mark off of this it. This yeah, could not be more that. stiff. Right. I swear. Holy smokes, guys. And yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, I'm not that All right, fast. so we're not super, super, super. I got to get mine in. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. And I can be reached at a Shane CTP. There's already a Shane CTP right, in there. Right, we had to add so the a, a, which really works a. out because I'm already 
He's, hey, Shane. He's the Shane Dobson. I'm just going to let him know I'm following him, too, just, just, just to cover on good general pressure. <laughs> the, the Shane and the A-Shane. I'm going to follow both of them just to make sure that we're, <laughs> we're covering all our bases. But uh, send us your, your reviews, uh, your podcast ideas, any comments, any feedback. No criticisms, no complaining, though. We don't we are talking about that. We don't want any of that. Definitely no condemnation. No condemnation. <laughs> but we'd love to hear from you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, and thank you to all the ones that have already been sharing some of the yeah. podcasts and visiting us. And I'll say that uh, somebody's been doing something real unique with it. A few people have where they're, they're bringing the podcast or a portion of the broadcast and playing it with their team at work as a way to open doors of discussion. So... Uh, if that's something you're not doing, just give it a thought, whether it's something that tactical that happened, like the uh, bridge collapse, or just for opening discussions, we may be that icebreaker of dialogue within the station or a command staff meeting or something, uh, a perception or a view that we're offering, Absolutely. even if it's not agreed with. Yep. Yeah, good. If you haven't caught on yet, we're not offering solutions here. No. <laughs> we just hash problems. If you've been to the website, it's a it's an unlit match. And, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a reason that it's that unlit. picture's on there because uh, we're all we're doing is lighting a fire, and uh, it's up to you to figure out where you are on all this stuff. But that's the whole point. Right. Talking about it. Absolutely. These endings make me nervous because I always don't know when to stop just talking. Stop. And Bill's going to look at me. You and just say the hell up already. No, no, we just. Yeah, we're going to say that's it, and uh, we hope you join us for our next uh, podcast. Back in service.